Caution to listeners, the following podcast includes content of a graphic or distressing nature. It was a very long process getting ready to go to the shelter. And it was, of course, very scary for me. The first time that I tried to leave an abusive partner and all of the chaos and damage that was caused from that. So, of course, leaving to go with my child now and, you know, having that memory in my mind of what happened the last time was, you know, made it that much more difficult to figure out what the right thing to do was and and the right way to do it and the safest way. For me, it wasn't a question that I had to leave. I knew it was unhealthy. I knew it wasn't safe. Um, I started to see, I started to see the impact that it was having on Jordan, um, on my daughter. Chapter three. So far on this podcast, we have discussed the challenges women face when they are victims of violence. We have also spoken with the women who make it their mission to help those women find a new life of security and happiness. In this episode, we will peel back another layer of complexity on the issue of abuse and domestic violence. Because even though women feel alone in their decision to leave abusive partners, they aren't always leaving by themselves. They often have, in tow, the most important people in their lives. Fleeing as a single woman is beyond difficult. But what if you are a mother and have children with your abusive partner? Leaving them behind is not an option. In this episode, we will focus on another chapter of Ginger's incredible story. This time, her daughter Jordan, who fled to the safety of a transition house with her mother when she was just an infant, joined us to share her memories from initial escape to building a new life. One of the challenges at that time was that I was never allowed to leave the house alone with my daughter. So it wasn't like I could just go and go to the shelter. So I had to come up with a plan and a reason and and be able to do that safely. And, and of course, not wanting there to be any confrontation or any uh, violence that would happen that would, would harm either of us. When we finally basically had a reason to leave, I had, I had my daughter, her car seat, and a diaper bag with her basic needs for that day. That's all I had. And then once we landed at the shelter, of course it was, um, you know, it was scary and intimidating and all those kind of things because I didn't know what it was going to be like but I knew that it was a safe place for us. And so the staff were so warm and so caring and so welcoming that I just instantly felt like that release of, of pressure and knowing that, you know, we were gonna be safe, so. She was so young that I felt like she probably wouldn't really remember and, you know, that it wouldn't be hopefully such a traumatic experience for her as it was for me. 
but um, and there were lots of children when we arrived there and so she had all these other little ones that were you know wanting to pay attention to her and um, you know the staff of course all fell in love with her right away and you know she just had like all these mothers surrounding her that wanted to take care of her and help her and so there were so many positive experiences from that. This time, her daughter, Jordan, who fled to the safety of a transition house with her mother when she was just an infant, joined us to share her memories, from the initial escape to building a new life. Jordan doesn't remember her stay at the shelter. She was still an infant when Ginger arrived with her. But her stay has gone on to define much of her life, including her relationship with the women who cared for her and her mother. I definitely don't remember much from the shelter time, but all those women were like mothers to me. And so that never changed my whole life. I kind of, I always just joked around. I'm like, I don't have a dad, but I got a whole crew of mamas. Like, I'm good. I'm protected. I'm fine. Like, but I don't think I really grasped it until I was older. Like, I think it's been really interesting because lately I've been kind of digging back on my life a little bit more and trying to figure out more of those answers and understanding myself and kind of what's brought me to where I am today. Like everybody wanted to make it seem so negative, but to me, I was like, I'm good. Like, this is, this is fine. This is good. It's all I need. I got my best friend. I got my rock. I got my safe space. And so for me, that was, that was pretty much it. The rest just kind of took care of itself. I try not to stress about it too much. She's a, an intelligent young woman who's has questions and needs answers. So, uh, you know, always trying to find a balance in, in giving information the great thing about the transition house is that, you know, suddenly you go from being uh, completely isolated in this abusive relationship to having, you know, a whole community, it feels like, of people with different thoughts and different ideas that are actually asking you what you want and how you feel and supporting you. And while Ginger and Jordan found love and support in the shelter, once they were in the outside world, Ginger and Jordan felt the stigma of coming from a non-nuclear family. I did get a lot of flack at school. Unfortunately, kids are really mean. So I'd get from a lot of kids like, oh, like your dad's not with you. Oh, he doesn't he doesn't love you. He doesn't want to doesn't want to be there. Or people would be like saying things like, well, why can't your mom just make it work? Why can't she just stick that out? Or I'd be excluded from things because other parents would be insecure that my mom was single you know, as a parent, your goal is to protect your child. And part of protecting your child is wanting her to feel loved and accepted. And so, um, you know, I didn't want her to feel fear all the time. But there certainly was fear, you know, for us. Um, and I didn't want her, I didn't want her to feel like she was unwanted or, or, you know, that it was really, because it, it was never really about her in that sense. But, you know, how do you explain that to a young child when, when they just see that their father's not there and they don't understand? As a young, single mother coming from an abusive relationship, trying to navigate the legal and judicial system was one of the most challenging parts for Ginger when she was trying to rebuild her and her daughter's life. Despite their best intentions, Ginger reflects on how the police and the court system were intimidating, to say the least. As soon as I discovered that I needed to leave the relationship, 
And I knew that I was being, I was being watched. I was being prevented from leaving. I was being prevented from doing things with my, my daughter. Um, and when I had gone to the police for help to say, you know, what do I do? How do I get out of here? Their answer was, you know, you have to go to family court because if you leave with your daughter and he, he gets his hands on her first, you have no way of taking her with you. Like, and I mean, they were telling me that because they saw that I was afraid and they were trying to help, help me. But in that moment of, well, now I'm, you know, really trapped because now I know that he has if he, you know, basically it's like if you're in possession of the child first, then then you're you're going to she's going to be able to stay there. And I, I would have no way of getting her and protecting her. So that was a very scary thought to me. And so having that conversation with the police led me to family court. And, and then, of course, when I went to family court, I learned that it can take quite a while for you to get this process in place and to be in front of a judge. And then, you know, then the judge would have to make a decision. You know, it's, it's a, at least a little bit secure being in the shelter, knowing that you're there with your child and you're safe. And as long as you don't venture off too far and you're safe about what you do, then you can feel comfortable and you can, you know, go to sleep at night knowing that, that you'll be okay. And during that time at the shelter, it, it allows you to start that process with the, with the court system. So, I, I mean, little did I know at that time that it was going to be years and years of my life spent in the court system. The court system is there to evaluate how safe a child is when going through the custody process, demanding a lot of parents to ensure, in spite of everything, the child's best interests are still the top priority. But as Ginger remembers, the expectations of the court were not fairly weighted. We have a a court system that puts ridiculous expectations on the mother and very low expectations on on the father, which on both sides is unfair and and unhealthy. So, you know, it was constantly, I was constantly being reminded that I was not allowed to talk to her about, you know, things that were happening with court. Not that I wanted to, but there were moments when she was a teenager that certainly you know, she was arguing with me about things that she didn't understand. And, you know, being stuck in this position of not really being able to tell her what, what specifically was going on, because I knew uh, of the repercussions from the court system. This process is obviously heavy, and a dynamic no child should have to experience. And despite the best efforts of Ginger to shield Jordan from the troubles with her father, Jordan still knew, even from a very young age, that not everything was okay. Jordan's father was still legally entitled to see Jordan, and he would leverage those visits for his own benefit, as Jordan explains. I think somehow I always understood there was lots going on. I just didn't always understand the degree as to what was happening and how much was going on, like. My mom definitely tried to really protect me from that and keep me free from that so that I wasn't bogged down by all those same stresses so that that wasn't impacting me too much. But it did reach a point that 
he would start to, I remember in elementary school at one point after a while of not having visits, because like as a kid, when I had to go see him, I would actually be physically ill. Like I would spend days vomiting before and after out of the upset of having to go there or of having been there. So then there was a pause on visits for a while. And then in elementary school, there was this new girl that started coming to school and I started hanging out with her. And eventually she kind of coaxed me to go to her place one day after school, lo and behold, to find him. So he was using this kid to get at me to then go and try to tell me about how my mom's so horrible and trying to keep me away from him. And she's the one stopping me from having visits and all that stuff, which then created a new tailspin for me. Because then I was like, oh, well, is this true? Are you stopping me from seeing him? Which I didn't fully realize at that point. Like I had no desire. I didn't want to. And I knew that. But then because he was telling me that it was like, oh, well, now I need to go and turn and point the blame. Because that's what we do as kids. We don't understand the degree of what's happening. So it was a lot of trying to navigate those kind of ups and downs. So then she was like, if you want to have visits, fine. We'll set them up. We'll do that. It's, I'm, I've never tried to stop you. It's up to you. If you want to, great. If you don't, don't. And so it got to the point where we would try having a few visits and he would either just not show up or I just felt absolutely uncomfortable the whole time I was there. And I got to the point where I was like, no, I choose that I don't want to do this. And then he would find subtle ways by the time I was a teenager to try to pry into my life. But like, I didn't, I didn't know the whole court side of things until pretty much my adult years. And I started knowing more of what was actually happening all those years. So for me, it was just always these weird little manipulative games that he would play to try to string me along or pin me against my mom. As we have stated many times, abuse is extremely complicated and it takes many different forms. The desire for power and control that abusers seek does not always end when the victims physically escape. Jordan's father and Ginger's former partner did everything within his power to access the women. And unfortunately for many abusers, the court system becomes the only way they have access to hurt you. So they use it in that sense. So in the first two years of leaving this relationship, I was taken to court. I stopped counting at 30 times. It was so ridiculous. It was it all consuming. Like it just was a repeated pattern where he would just take me back and take me back to court. And then, of course, there's also delays and, um, you know, you have to go back again for another hearing. Then they ordered assessments on our parenting skills. And then there was follow-ups when there were concerns. And so it just became something that, you know, you most people would never dream that you're going to spend that much time in a you know, court system. But um, of course, when you're dealing with somebody that's unreasonable, then how do you expect it to be reasonable? Well, obviously the court system is beyond the understanding of a child, the solitude that stemmed from the fights and having an atypical family life was certainly felt by Jordan at a very young age. However, Jordan managed to find tranquility and peace. I got very good at learning to keep to myself a little bit more and learned how to be a bit more of like my own friend in my own time and found more peace with my solitude. And a lot of that came from being an only child. Like I found if I was at friends places, I thought maybe for a minute I'd want that. And then I'd realize how much chaos was around and I'd be like, no, no, I'm good. I like home. It's quiet. It's good. It's, it's stable. And so for me, I just, I had a very unique situation with that and unique guidance and I feel like it just you got to find the things that 
make you happy and the things that make you feel good and actively choose to focus more on that than the other things and trust that everything else will fall in place and work itself out as hard as that can be in the moments and as confusing and scary as it can be in the moments. Cause there's definitely a lot of times as a kid, I picked up very much on the energies around me and I knew things weren't good. And I don't know, I managed to learn how to just dance it off and shake it off for the most part. Eventually Ginger managed to get a court order, but it was not the turning of the tide that Ginger or Jordan had hoped for. That's because laws and orders mean nothing if no one is actually enforcing them. You know, once you have the court order in your hands, there really is no one that's enforcing them. So so the irony is you go through all this work, sometimes years of challenges to come to this agreement and have this piece of paper that makes you feel like uh, you're, you've got something in place that will keep you and your children safe. And, and then when you actually need something enforced on it, you find out that there, there isn't anyone enforcing them. So it's a, it's a very challenging system, and it's, it's not set up in favor of actually supporting the women who are leaving abusive relationships. Despite the storm, the transition house Ginger and Jordan stayed at had a profoundly positive impact on both their lives. The resources the house offered them during and after their stay set Ginger and Jordan on a path of empowerment and fulfillment. Because of all the struggles that I've been through, I'm able to look at everyone else with a lot more compassion and know that you don't always know what everybody else's story is behind closed doors. And I think that's also one of my huge takeaways, too, is you really don't know what's going on in somebody else's life. You're the only person in your body, in your mind, with your thoughts every day, 24-7, from day one till the day you die, 24-7, 365, right? Like, so you just have to learn to do the things that make you happy and that make you feel good. And as hard as it can be, walk away from the things that don't serve you. Learn to walk away and have the strength from the people that hurt you and try to keep you down and kind of have a, like, I call it like my bullshit meter. <laughs> Where I'm able to now very intuitively be able to be like, mm, now your vibe's not right. And to trust that and to always learn to trust your gut, because I think we're told that from such a young age not to. And I had a lot of people growing up that would teach me not to. And then my mom would be like, no, you listen to that. That's what's going to keep you safe. Trust your gut. So that's been one of my other huge takeaways from all of this that's really helped me as an adult. I did like a dance yoga dance kind of thing at one point so in my teens I went and I volunteered and I did that with the kids and then after I got my makeup artistry degree I went in and I did like a lesson with the women that were there to just kind of talk about some basic makeup tips and like self-care stuff I've always like as I got older just once I started remembering, I think like when you're a kid, you meet all these people and you don't really remember who anybody is. So once I kind of hit my teens, I started remembering, okay, this face to this name and now I know who all you people are. And then that was when I was kind of able to have more deeper connections with people. I was able to join things with like using their influence and working with more of the women there doing that kind of stuff. I've been a way to go do conferences with them and like it's, I still have always been a part of it. And it's been amazing to have that kind of group of women and that connection and that like extended family sense all these years, despite everything. While Jordan is living proof that Ginger made the right choice, she can easily remember the uncertainty that came with making this very difficult decision over two decades ago. 
She knows the path is not easy, but she promises that it's worth it. You know, I think as a mother, it's it's very scary, the like the unknown. You know that taking that step it kind of like feels like a no-win situation in the moment because you know what you're living in isn't safe and you know it's not healthy for your for your child or your children and you know it's not healthy for you. And on the other hand, when you take a step to do something about that, there's going to be a whole bunch of other chaos that that happens. In the end, either way, whatever choice you make, it's going to be difficult. So I think it's important to know that it is difficult, but there's so much support that you can reach out and have that support. And, you know, sometimes when I'm out talking to, to people about my situation, I forget that you know, it was a hell of a lot of hard work on my part. And so sometimes when I'm talking about everything that's happened and all the support that I received from the Transition House and the Transition House Association, which is all true, it was tremendous support. The reality is that I had to do the hard work. They were there to guide me and support me and pick me up when I fell, but I had to do the work. I've had a a few times where women have come up to me and said, something about, oh, I didn't realize they did so, you know, so much. And, you know, no, I had to look for the place to live on my own. They helped me find things. They helped give me information. I had to, you know, enroll in school on my own. I had to, you know, find the money. I had to do all of those pieces myself. But just having a support system, having someone that can listen to you and and all of these different ideas and and this guidance that you can have moving forward, those are the things that help you move forward. And and it's absolutely tough, but it's worth it when, you know, when you can go home at night and you can lay your head down and it's peaceful. That's, you know, there is nothing that can buy that for you. You, you have to, you know, you have to do the work and it is the most rewarding feeling knowing that you and your child are safe and that you have a peaceful place that you can be. Today, Jordan is in awe of her mother's unending efforts to provide her with safety, normalcy, and love. Very lucky in my circumstance with the mother that I had because I know not everybody always has that strength or that ability to try and really be able to pull themselves out of that and try very hard to look at things in a different way. Not everybody's maybe fully at that stage to be able to find that within themselves to go, okay, we can do different ways. Let's try different ways. This isn't working. Let's do this. And so I got lucky with the fact that she was very good about being very creative on how are we going to make this work? Things like, hey, it's not safe for us to go out in a restaurant. So we'll eat our takeout in the car and like, let's do crafts and we'll do these kinds of things. So for me, overall, like I know she did the best she could to keep me safe and I'm still here and we're still good. So that's the part that matters. And yeah, overall, like my memories were pretty good despite everything else that was going on behind the scenes. She did a pretty good job protecting me from what was happening. Thank you for listening to Somebody Must Say These Things. 
In our next chapter, we will widen our scope to try to understand the groups of women who are often neglected by services and programs in our province. We will begin by looking at women facing violence in rural Nova Scotia. Well, our shelter is located in Sydney. However, our catchment area is a huge landmass. Being a small town, everybody has their finger on the pulse of what everybody else is doing. There's just so many degrees of overlap and connection. You have been listening to Somebody Must Say These Things, a podcast made possible by the Transition House Association of Nova Scotia. FANS exists to eliminate violence against women in Nova Scotia. Their organizations provide a full range of support services to women and children in a safe, supportive environment and provide survivors of violence with opportunities to learn about available resources and alternatives to facilitate informed personal choices and decisions. FANS is not 100% government funded by the provincial or federal government. This needs to change. Go to fans.ca to learn how you can make a difference and help end violence against women. Podstarter.